I, a million things I wanted to be when I, when I grew up, but acting was always on my radar. This was never something I, I did. I was a dancer and I was a singer growing up as a kid. And, you know, as any young person was mostly defining myself based on what other people thought I should be. And a lot of people were like, you would be an amazing journalist. You'd be a great broadcast journalist. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, I came to UT and started studying journalism and I really, I missed the art. And so I added theater to my, to my trajectory and never looked back, really. How do you mind the gap between what others in your life expect of you and what you really want for yourself? It's not easy, is it? Katie Folger came to that crossroads as an artist, and after you hear about her latest project, a one-woman show called Getting in Bed with the Pizza Man, you might be inspired to ask yourself some interesting questions about your own journey, about who you are, how you're spending your time, and who you want to be. You gave birth to a one-woman show. This is pretty (laughs) intense. I w- my first thought was like, that's got to be a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I've been doing this for a really long time in a lot of different capacities, you know, and acting for a very, for a very long time on camera and writing behind the scenes. And I've, you know, developed my own work in the past as well. But man, a, a solo show is certainly a, a different beast. And I am I'm learning so much. And it's incredible. And, uh, you know, it's it's also humbling. I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely going through a personal evolution right now as I'm going through this experience. Wow. And how brave of you to share this through your art. Thanks. I mean, that seems Thank you. Is it scary? Oh, yeah, it's 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 very scary because this is a very this is a very vulnerable Piece. It's it's vulnerable subject matter, um, but that is part of my attraction to doing this. You know, specifically, sexuality is something that, especially in like the United States, that we don't have a ton of openness about. At least in like the way that I'm talking about it. Obviously, there's plenty of sex out there in the in pop culture and the media, and many people are sexualized in media, but very rarely are we actually you know, peeling back the layers in the way that this show does and uh, talking about sex in a really playful way, but also a really frank and, um, and like close up way, especially with me as a performer and, and as an actor for so long in film, a lot of the roles that I was often offered were sexualized. So it's, it's a very empowering um, experience as an artist to to sort of um, hone in on sexuality myself from a from a my own perspective as a woman, you know. So tell us about your background a little bit before we get more into the show. Where did you go to school and what sure. did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Well, I went to UT Austin. I went to theater school. I, a million things I wanted to be when I when I grew up, but acting was always on my radar. This was never something I, I did. I was a dancer and I was a singer growing up as a kid and you know, as any young person was mostly defining myself based on what other people thought I should be. And a lot of people were like, you'd be an amazing journalist. You'd be a great broadcast journalist. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, I came to UT and started studying journalism and I really, I missed the arts. And so I added theater to my to my trajectory and never looked back, really. That's really a tough thing to do to, I think they call it minding the gap between 
what yeah. you want to do in your heart and soul and what others expect of you. Yeah. And that's been a really, really big part of my journey um, as a human being and as an artist. So this project in particular is very special to me because I really feel like I'm getting to do things the way I want to do them. And that is a very empowering experience. Do you feel like this is really the first time you're having that experience? Well, I, w- I would say the first time I'm having this experience um, in this, with this much visibility, I think as a human and as a, as a person, anybody who knows me really closely, they know that at the center of my orbit, Uh, as a being on earth is basically trying to live as authentically as possible and true to myself. And that's, it's been really difficult at times finding my niche, uh, especially in the industry at large. And I just, I think over the course of the pandemic, I stopped, I don't know if I can curse on the show. I stopped uh, uh, caring so much. Um, And I think I just, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do things the way that I want to do them. And, and that's kind of the, the road I started trotting down and it snowballed. And now I'm, I'm putting this thing out in the world and it feels really good, but scary. <laughs> yeah. So the pandemic, was it kind of an incubator reflective kind of time for you? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, right before the pandemic, as is the story with many people and artists, yeah, people in general though, beyond the creative arts, I lost a lot of really huge opportunities that were just starting to land for me. Um, I just moved to Los Angeles. I booked a job as a satirical news anchor and writer. I was absolutely thrilled. I just signed with a really big management company and then all of those opportunities went away. Meanwhile, I had just gone through other personal hardships that were completely unrelated to um, the pandemic and the loss of those jobs. I'd gone through a breakup and was going through some like sexual harassment stuff. Um, Unfortunately, not related to the breakup. But anyways, I was done with the the film industry and the entertainment industry in my head over the course of the pandemic. And I actually decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And I started getting a master's in mental health counseling. But it just so turns out, you know, for me, I've realized being an artist and creating things, it's, it's very close to my just my compass as a human being. And it's not something I can shake. So it was funny because I told a lot of people, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing it this anymore. And everybody was like, are you sure? Because <laughs> I think it was, it was one of those cases where everybody was like, they could see me a little better than I could see myself. Um, but the beauty of it is I did, while I did come back to the arts and come back to the work, um, I'm, I think coming to turn, like letting it go and relinquishing it allowed me to come to terms with it um, in my own way and approach the work as an individual, as an autonomous artist uh, and kind of less, giving less fucks about the stories that I want to tell, you know? Yes. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. There is something about that letting go, I think, that gives clarity. Yeah, you're spot on. That's exactly what I've I am experiencing um, and have been experiencing over the last few years as a creator. Did you write this show in Los Angeles or are you back in Austin or did you like were you traveling while you were doing it? I live in Austin. I moved back to Austin right with pandemic. So I had just moved to L.A. Like I was looking for a place in L.A. when the pandemic broke out and it, and fortunately didn't sign a lease or anything. 
So I came back home to Texas to be with my family, and I moved back to Austin May 2020, uh, just a few months later, because Austin is where I've always felt kind of at home. And at that time, you know, it was so scary, and there was so much global panic and pandemonium that it really counted to be in a place in with my community. And I've always just really felt embraced and wrapped up by my community in Austin. So I wrote this show. Um, I wrote it the summer of 2021, actually, as the world started opening up again. And so this is largely autobiographical. Is that right? I wouldn't go that far. Um, you know, I think as a writer, anything that you write by just nature of the craft is going to be deeply close to your spirit. So the way I like to explain it is, yes, there are parts of this that are very, I mean, the whole thing is very true to me. But by nature of a writer and of the craft, there are parts that are fictionalized in order to serve the story and serve the tone and the archetypes, the archetypal explorations and, and thematic content. I, I think the best way, I really fell in love with the memoir style fiction genre in the summer of 2021. And so that's kind of where this piece came from. I I really fell in love with a particular writer um, and I started writing in that style and it just really clicked for me. Mm, oh, that's so interesting to come across sort of an influence like that and try something new. Oh, yeah. So how yeah. would you describe your one woman show, Katie? Is it sort of like um, sex in the city in a post-COVID era environment? Yeah, um, I think that's a I think that's a fun way to describe it. Sex in the City is certainly an influence. Um, Fleabag is an influence. Frances Ha is an influence. Um, I love. I think Girls by Nature. It's it's an influence. Um, and then there are a couple books that I read, Either or and The Idiot um, by this awesome Turkish writer that I love, and that also is a major influence. I would say the show is, you know, the way I describe it is it's kind of a, it's a jump down a rabbit hole of beginner sexual empowerment. So yes, while it has the like, it's dealing with sexual content, it's, um, it has a lot of play, there's a lot of like a playful, there's a major playful approach to sexuality in the show, but it also takes you on a journey that you don't expect. And so at least like structurally, I like to see it sort of like, Francis Ha in the sense that that movie sort of meanders and you don't really know where it's going and it's a little dreamlike and that scenes turn into other scenes and they don't explain why they go into other scenes. It just kind of meanders as we do in life. So yeah, structurally it's, it's very much like that, but yeah, it has like the playfulness, the rom-com quality of like a sex in the city, sure. Or a flea bag or something like that. But you know, also the show, it gets, uh, it gets a little dark. Uh, at certain times. And I think that's, that's the quality of it that I, I think is a bit unique and unexpected. I was thinking about the title, Katie, getting in bed with the pizza yeah. man. Like, I yeah, really yeah. don't know what to expect just from the title. It's an interesting, <laughs> interesting choice. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I, that's, I kept the title for that reason. I definitely workshopped and auditioned a few other titles, but that was this was the original title. I, I wrote the show as a short story at first, and it was the title of the short story. And yeah, the uh, the title is supposed to elicit a question mark. Uh, and it, I, the show will give you an answer that you don't expect, which I, I think is really fun. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes a plot twist. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and this is like a very geeky thing. I also couldn't shake getting in bed with the pizza man because it's iambic pentameter, like in Shakespeare. It's like that rhythmic getting in bed with the pizza man. It just rolls off the tongue. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. too. Interesting. I did not realize that. And now that you said it, I see. I it. know. Oh, that's so funny. I know. It's fun. I know. So how did this show <laughs> come to you? Were you sort of like, you know, on the couch looking for something to watch and feeling compelled to write this thing? How did it evolve? I've been writing privately for, I mean, I've always been obsessed with writing. I used to like, I was such a dork about essays in like high school and college. I would skip class in order to write my papers because I just love to write. And my writing has always been very personal. And I have found myself leaning or gravitating to writing about sexual experiences because sexuality for me, I was raised in like a pretty religious um, sort of community. And I... I had to go through my own sexual evolution and, and process of discovery as we all do. But because a lot of what I wrote about was sexual, I was always kind of nervous to bring it out into the world. Um, but anyways, this particular story was just, you know, it was, it is based on real experiences. It's not verbatim, you know, something that happened to me, but it was ignited by this experience that I had that, um, essentially I, I came up against some, some challenging circumstances and out of that evolved a, a bit of a more, I think, empowered approach to my sexuality as a woman and as like, like an autonomous sexual being, because especially, you know, at least in my experience, um, being socialized, uh, as a woman, I, you know, found myself being sexualized all the time and thinking that sex was for somebody else. And so it was a journey of learning what sex was for me and what, how sex could be good for me. And yeah, I think so the show was born out of an, some, a series of events that, uh, that I learned a lot and I just wrote them down. I, I kind of, I went through some kind of wild stuff, some kismet serendipitous stuff and, was telling some friends about it and they were all like, Hey, you should, you should write this down. And I was like, yeah, that's, you're right. Maybe I should write it down. And then I wrote it. And usually I write like flash fiction. Like I'll write stories that are like five minutes long or sorry, five pages long. And um, this one just, it just kept going. And I was sort of, I was like, Oh, like something's going on here. <laughs> and uh, it just kept going and the pages kept coming. And then I was like, oh, I think I kind of like this. And I showed it to one of my best friends, Olivia Applegate, who is um, an amazing actress and a woman I've known for a decade. We went to college together. She's like a sister of mine, essentially. And she read it and she was like, hey, Katie, uh, I think this could be a really good one woman show. And she knew that I had always been sort of intrigued by the solo show form I saw what the Constitution means to me in New York when I lived there uh, by Heidi Schreck, and I was enamored. And even like an undergrad, I would watch solo shows, and I would think it was so cool and like, like terrifying. And um, also knowing that you know Phoebe Waller Bridge's show started from a solo show, and I've seen that show on stage as well. Uh, I saw a screening of it. So, anyways, it just kind of sparked my curiosity, and then. I read it like I, I was like, OK, I'm going to read this in front of people and see what happens. So 
I built like a little evening of backyard theater. I turned my backyard into a stage. I invited like 25 colleagues and friends, some people that, you know, are purely supportive and then some people who genuinely intimidated me. And when I read the work, it like had a palpable effect on the audience. And everybody was like, you have to do something with this. Oh, wow. Um, and all, yeah. And at the time, I didn't know it was a comedy. I'd just written this thing. Like, I just wrote something that was true to me. And everybody laughed the whole time. And I was like, oh, I guess this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so from there, like, I was like, oh, shit, like something, something's going on. I, I think I need to do something with this. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. So very organic is what you're describing. Yeah. Like from words on yeah. a page to getting in front of people mm -hmm. and like yes. not really knowing if you had something, but like checking in. I love that you invited people that would essentially tell you the truth. Yeah. Like I invited, I invited people I didn't know that well that are like quite high up in the industry. Cause I wanted to, I was like, I need people here that I'm scared to put this in front of because otherwise it's just going to be my friends and they're going to be like, Oh, cool. But like I had, you know, some directors in the audience that I really admire. I had like, um, I had Tom Pelfrey in the audience who's an Emmy award-winning actor. He's on uh, love and death with my friend Olivia and, you know, just, so just having, and even like Clay Lyford, he's a director and Austin has been doing stuff for a long time. And, you know, I wanted to invite people I didn't know that well. Um, but also really admired and, and then also my, my dear friends. And so, yeah, it was, it was really encouraging. You can kind of tell when people are bullshitting you and I could tell that people were not bullshitting me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you can definitely tell. Yeah. So that's when I just kind of was like, okay, let's, let's go for it. Let's do something with this. Wow. Big decision. Mm -hmm. So what is that? Can you share with us the sort of catalyst event that happened that maybe kicked this all off? Or is that kind of a spoiler for the show? If you if you tell us that. Um, let me think about this. I would say I don't want to give too much away. But I will say that the catalyst was it happened. It was something that happened right when the world started opening up again. So it was like we had all like we were all being encouraged by the CDC to like only hang out with like 10 people and it was right when the vaccine started rolling out so like I, I wrote this in in I think June or July July 20 2021 July and August um after some events that happened in June and so June was right you know I think the first wave of vaccines came out in April and then there were like waves so it was right when the world was opening up again and everybody was like, like, do you remember how electric it was? Like when you started reemerging and like there were people ever like, it's like everybody was out again and like there were clubs reopening and restaurants reopening and like the vibe was like pretty. It was, and it was, yeah. it was a vibe that was like almost a little timid. Like we weren't sure we should yeah. be doing that. Like <laughs> yeah. we weren't sure if the people around us had been vaccinated or not, you know, and it yes. was like, it, it, it yes. felt very strange to reemerge. I remember that. Yes. So it's sort of like it, the catalyst is like the story begins in this reemergence place and kind of what it's like to get out into the world again, after you've been basically like inside and only chatting with like a couple handfuls and seeing a couple handfuls of people and, um, and, you know, just context contextually speaking, I realized became this like kind of interesting 
motif for being locked away and being trapped inside, being even like regarding your sexuality and then like moving out again. I can remember talking to friends who were like, I mean, single friends who really like, God, I can't believe I'm not partnered up right now. This is the hardest time (laughs) to be so alone. And maybe they had the supportive family. Maybe they were living on their own. But, you know, Zoom was what people had for connection. There was definitely a feeling of like, I am missing real connection and trying to figure out ways that you could have virtual connection, which, of course, is only a temporary substitute to the kind of connection that we really thrive on. Yes. And I love that you use the word connection so many times because the central character in the show, ultimately, she's just she's desperate to connect with someone. She's like that is her main and she is really fixated on connecting sexually with people but she goes on a bit of a journey um where i think like the way she is connecting she learns things about the way she's connecting both to other people through sex and also about her with herself so yeah i would i love that you use the word connection because i think that that word is a very important word for this show and this character Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's central to our human nature. I think about that word a lot, actually, because in my radio show, I mean, that it's all about connecting with someone and it's a real intimate medium. And whoever's going to listen to this conversation, they're doing it alone. You know, you don't you don't listen in a group. So it's a real intimate kind of thing. And it's another way to connect. There's so many different ways to connect. And when you think about Mm -hmm. like holding hands with someone and how electrifying that can be or how just deeply soothing and comforting it can be, you know, there's all kinds of different connections, some more powerful than others. And I just think there's just like a ton to explore just in that one word. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's uh. I mean, connecting is, I mean, waxing may be a little philosophical here, but in our world, it's just something that, you know, connecting genuinely with people in this day and age where we are on screen and we're all in a hurry and like, it's so expensive to live right now. And everybody, I feel like is struggling to make ends meet. And, you know, we're often like also stressed out and there's a lot of uncertainty in our world right now. And so connecting is it's just crucial. And I think like, speaking of connecting to I, 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 I kind of kept keep saying, like, I don't really think it's an accident that a live show came out of me after the pandemic. Because um, I've been working on screen mostly for the last 10 years, so or 12 years. So I think it's interesting, like from a spiritual or a little like a spiritual and artistic perspective that a live show came out of me because I do really want I want to create a a container for people to connect, not only with each other, but also with themselves and the work. And uh, because we don't get to gather in person that much intentionally anymore, um, because so much of our world are digital. So that's so true. Katie, you talked about like female empowerment. What else has come out of this experience or what else have you learned? Because as I think about what you're saying, did you come across themes around depression and self-esteem? Like what else maybe did this open up? Oh, yeah. Self-esteem is a big thing. I think like I think self-esteem, I think insecurity, I think seeking approval from another person and validation from another person in order to feel good about yourself. Uh, I think that's a really big one. I think 
um, you know, especially like there are, if you look at society from a bit of a patriarchal lens, you know, people that are, we're all conditioned in certain ways uh, that don't, that don't fully serve us. And especially women are frequently conditioned to keep to themselves, to be demure, to cater to, to submit, to agree and to follow. And I think I, at least as an individual was unconsciously or at times maybe, I mean, as I, as I began to shift and change um, as a human being, started to take more ownership for, for who I am sexually, but, you know, just like coming up against the sticky stuff of like trying to be something that somebody else wants you to be uh, rather than really tapping into who you want to be and who you are. I think that's a, that's a big part of it too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and, and just like accepting yourself and accepting your story and owning your story. And I think I've always been a little afraid to share share I've been afraid to put my own uh convictions out and I, I guess I'm not I'm not anymore and that's really nice and I my hope is that the show you know the show is not meant to be this like overarching statement on sexuality it's about one person and one moment in time in which they make a discovery and I guess like my hope is that I guess there wasn't a lot of openness in in talking about sexuality as a as a young person especially and so I really hope um, I hope that this work can can perhaps catalyze some some honest reflection. I feel like what you're describing is maybe every woman's journey. You know, like every woman, <laughs> you kind of, you know, you you come out and you're like, it, it, being a woman is complicated, first of all, mm-hmm. and being a woman <laughs> in the working world. <laughs> is is very complicated and navigating relationships mm-hmm. and um and communication with men can be really complicated yeah. because you are saying one thing but he can hear something very different and then you're left like oh yeah what the dude yep yep so i think yep. i think what you're tackling here um is something that every woman can relate to because you have to make choices for yourself on, you know, like we get out in the world and we kind of, we wear a mask, right? Like how we want to present ourselves um, in work and in life. And then we might take that mask off in our closer relationships and reveal more of ourselves. But like, yes, this is, this is something that I think, I think is on the mind of every woman. Like I don't want to be judged for being, for being too feminine. I don't want to be judged for being too sexy. Um, I don't want to be judged for not being sexy enough, you know, like I think, or being too smart or being not smart enough. I mean, I think that there, it's just what you're talking about is just very real and complex. Yeah. And so something that the show does is like, okay, this title is, well, what is this title? And a lot of people are like, oh, like, ooh, what is this about, you know? And that is, a that is like, this show is absolutely playing with, it's playing with your expectations. <laughs> and it's also, this character in the show, in a lot of ways, is performing sexuality um, in a way that, well, I don't want to give too much away, but she is, the show itself is engaging with these expectations, and it's like, it's 
expectations of how you're supposed to act as a woman. And it certainly is like stoking a conversation about that. Um, and it's not giving, it's not giving answers either. I think it's just the show itself provokes a lot of questions rather than gives answers. Um, I think that's great because then people can talk about it afterwards and decide what it means to them. Exactly. Cause I'm not, there is no prescription here of like my show. When you leave the show, feel this way. Like, absolutely not. It's like, no, I'm just sort of, I'm kind of stirring the pot, I feel like, of a particular subject uh, that I think is important to talk about. Because yeah, like, like what you were saying regarding like wearing a mask, like, we all wear masks, men wear masks, too. And then like, you know, I will, I will also stress like this show is about heteronormative straight experiences. Um, but I have had queer friends watch the show too. And they're like, this is very applicable to my experience as a queer individual as well. You know, I think universally speaking, people can relate to, to feeling like you have to wear a mask in, in many settings. Um, and like in a certain way, the show is a love letter to women. Like it's like for, I wrote it for women or female, female identifying people. But I also think it is a very important a piece for men to engage with as well. Uh, this is a woman's lens on sexuality. It's a very unabashed look at sexuality. And, you know, I think in the media, obviously it exists, but I think it's very important for men to engage with female work as well um, on sexuality. For sure. Uh, I think it could be enlightening for them. Yeah, I had one, my first reading I did in November, 2021, I had a really dear friend come up to me after seeing it and he was like, Oh my God. He's like, Katie, I had no idea that it was like this for women sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, good thing I'm, I'm doing this then. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That makes me think of, uh, that movie, what women want, where the main character can hear what women think. And he's like, Oh my God. Like it's a, it's such a revelation. (laughs) Like you think, you know, how women feel and why they do what they do and how they interact with each other in the ways that they do. And then it's like, well, actually it's a much deeper world than you really had any clue. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And like this character in particular, she's coming up against this character in a lot of ways is not quite even aware of how like societal messaging has affected her. And so the show is definitely like, it's a process of discovery of, you know, the things that she is, the stories that she has been taught about who she is, and the stories that she tells herself about who she is up against who she actually is. Sounds good. Okay, so May 4th is when the show opens, Getting in Bed with the Pizza Man. This is going to happen at Crash Box. And Katie, my, yeah. I guess my last question is, is there anything else that you want people to know about the show? The show is like it is playing with your expectations and something like a lot of people always ask me is like, is this true? Or like, did you get in bed with the Pizza Man? And I'm like, I'm not going to answer that question. You're going to have to come watch it to find out. (laughs) And some of it is true. Some of it is not true. There you go. Yeah. It's like every time we watch an episode of The Crown, we're like, wait, did that really happen? Yeah. I I think it definitely, it takes you on a journey that you do not expect. Sounds good to me, Katie. Well, thank you so much. Really looking forward to this. You know, any piece of storytelling that is original and relatable is always so exciting. And and honestly, original work, I feel like is hard to come by these days. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to to see what happens and and to put this in front of uh, people in the community. And you know, the hope is that it can it can hit the road and and play elsewhere for other audiences too. So I, I you know, I, I my hope is that this is just the beginning. Katie Folger premieres her one-woman show, Getting in Bed with the Pizza Man, May 4th through the 13th at Crashbox here in Austin. And you can get tickets now at katiefolger.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Juilliards. If you enjoyed our conversation, I hope you'll subscribe or follow, depending on what platform you're on. And that way you'll never miss an episode. If you want to hear more from Juliet, listen to Magic 95.5 weekday afternoons. She's on the air from noon to seven, keeping you company while you're at work or on that all too lengthy drive home.